Today's episode of Survival Dispatch News is brought to you by Nutrient Survival. On today's episode of Survival Dispatch News, we're discussing how to build the ultimate urban survival bailout bag. You may have caught some glimpses recently of the run and gun training conditioning that we do at Survival Dispatch. And uh, just a word of caution, uh, before you throw a 25, 30 pound bag on your back and think that you're going to John Rambo at home, uh, you know, you might want to do some baseline testing and you might want a little lighter bag or you might want to improve your uh, physical conditioning. Anyway, Denny, uh, let's get everybody introduced here and jump right in. Yeah. First off, uh, you know, when we when we have discussions like this, we want to bring in some of our subject matter experts and people who are interested in the subject and have knowledge on this subject to uh, to speak about it. And first, I've got Chris from ammo.com. I'm pointing at the computer because I because I see his name. And uh, thanks for joining us today, Chris. Tell us about Mike, Chris Heaven. Uh, Mike and I, we go back at least, uh, what, four or five weeks now? <laughs> Something like that. We're like long lost brothers. Yeah. Uh, you know, Mike's a wealth of information. Uh, I got to let him introduce himself. Because... Yeah, Mike, tell us about your background, yeah. brother. Hi guys, thanks for having me on again. Uh, Mike Sterling. Uh, I run ISSI. Uh, we're uh, we're the oldest uh, commercial bomb disposal company in the country. Uh, I'm a I'm a master EOD technician. Um, Twenty three some years messing around out where the dogs bark and uh, doing doing fun contracting stuff these days. Cool. Of course, we have got Jason McCoy and Jason. I'm sorry that you have to follow Mike. And that I is- know. Right? <laughs> All the question I ask right quick is okay. Whose hair looks better, mine or his? Oh, let's see. <laughs> audience poll, audience poll. All right, viewers, <laughs> in the comments, let us know who's got the better haircut, Mike or Jason. That's a good one. I'm pretty sure. I think the, the next question is for a secondary poll is who's got the better gas mask beard? Uh-oh. Uh, I think, I think we know the answer to that one. Yeah. <laughs> Chris, cool. Chris, he's taking them both. Best haircut, best beard. Yeah, I got to break on Jason McCoy. The guy with the non-gas mask beard, my calling my brother from another mother. Uh, Jason and I go back several years. Uh, Jason, um, known for his uh, knife knowledge, survival knowledge, uh, you name it. Uh, we've actually had a part of this discussion in person a couple of years ago. Jason and I, he's got a lot to add uh, to this discussion. Today we're talking about bailout bags, and I think we need to define what that is because you know we got get home bags bug out bags we're talking about bailout bags today let's actually define that uh, uh chris and we actually had an off-camera discussion with mike i'm pointing to the computer because i'm looking at his face there a little while ago mike i want you to jump right in and give us your definition of, of what we're talking about today the bailout bag okay so definition of a bailout bag bailout bag is a a bag of kit or or a quantity of material that is just one step up from your normal EDC that is meant specifically to ex- help you extract yourself from a situation. So it's not a seventy two hour bag. Okay, this is not something that you're going to go. You know, I, I'm I'm going to run all the way out of the city and 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 go ahead and and hide. No, this is this is a bag that is meant to extract you from a situation, move you from where you are into a green zone. Um, uh, in particular, like we use, my wife and I use these same kits when we're on vacation. If we're in a city like we were in New Orleans not too long ago, and these, this is the kit that, that 
we hauled around on a daily basis because if we if we were going to have a problem there, we were going to have to be able to extract ourselves from. Um, so is this a bag that you keep in your vehicle? So I either keep it in my vehicle or, uh, you know, when we're on vacation, you're wandering around playing tourist. So you may be on the city trolleys. You may be running around on Ubers, pedicab, walking, stuff like that. So you've got a little bit to fall back on. You don't need a ton of gear to fall back on. We're not talking about going 60 miles to get home. We're talking about a situation where I need to be able to grab this bag quick, fast, and in a hurry and be able to make it 15, 20 kilometers, give or take. Right. So we're talking about a bag to get you to the next step, not something that's going to last a long time. That I'm, In my mind, I'm picturing what this what this bag is for me, because I have some bags that I've built for different purposes. One that stays in my vehicle, uh, a get home style bag, a bug out style bag uh, that stays in my home, et cetera, et cetera. So in my mind, I'm envisioning a, a, a smaller package. And we got these bags sitting here on the counter, Chris, what are we looking at here, by the way, what is this? Well, these are somewhat larger. This one here is a complex Faraday bag. So good for storing your electronics in. Yeah, every by off grid. Yep. Yeah, every single uh, pocket in this has a Faraday lining to it. But it's not. It's a fairly good size. It is. It it may be larger than what some people want for this purpose. Yeah, this one's sure. even. Is this the one you were wearing in the video? Yeah. <laughs> Look at that. And, yeah. Woo! And you I can know, barely pick it up with one hand. And, and Mike may be the bomb expert, but I got a feeling Chris is the best bomb thrower out of all of us. And I know he's got something to say about the size of this bag. <laughs> well, guys, I think when it comes to, to bailout bags, as we've heard many times before, size matters, guys. Uh, and, uh, you know, you need to be able to carry it and to work with it. And I think that really shows in the video that Chris started this off with is if you can't move in your bailout bag, you might as well, you know, tuck your tail between your legs and kiss yourself goodbye because uh, someone who is stationary is nothing more than a target. Yeah. And I, I want his life. I want to chime in there because Jason McCoy, everybody look at Jason and Jason's built, Jason's physically fit. Um, very, very good physical shape. Chris is in pretty damn good shape. Chris and I are, are uh, hovering in our mid fifties. And I know for a fact, and I've worked out with, with Chris, this, what Chris did in the opening video I'm going to, people are going to hate me for this, but some folks watching this may not, may not be able to accomplish that little bit of running around with the bag on your back. Jason, um, we're talking about bags and actually uh, Mike mentioned that he's got bags for his wife and himself. And I know for a fact that Jason McCoy has a bag. Jason, this bag that I'm referring to, would you call it a bailout bag? The one that you showed me? I would um, like Mike. I actually have two bags that kind of supplement each other. One that I, you know, it's kind of normal, natural, non-threatening, just a mystery ranch, um, kind of gives that gray man um, kind of style. I think that's really important too. If we do have a pack that we're carrying on our person out in public, we don't look like we're a bunch of tactical commandos or Rambos, like, you know, Chris was saying earlier. But not only that, just like Mike was saying, I think it's not only important to have something um, built for yourself and your vehicle, but your significant others as well, especially your wife. Um, you know, I've kind of raised my kids to think like this for the past 10 years. They're both 26 and 23 now. Um, but my wife and I both have this in our vehicles. And it's almost identical packs. It's really streamlined, slick. But this thing is 
packed with a ton of stuff that could get us to that green zone that Mike was talking about from point A to point B. So, yeah. So, uh, so now we've got this definition of what we're talking about, the bailout bag. So just to kind of reiterate, it's a bag to get you from point A to point B to that next, that next level of survival. Does that sound right, guys? Is, is that a good definition? So, uh, so that leads us to the next question. What the heck should we have in this bag? And we got to narrow it down so that we don't have this huge, big, you know, big package here that we're trying to run around with. And and how important and Mike, I just want to ask you, Jason brought up a really interesting point. How important is it to have a nondescript bag that doesn't look like a tactical bag? What, why is that important for the for our viewers? So, of course, it's camouflage. You've got to make sure you're wearing the right camouflage now, don't you? <laughs> So camouflage means means you're going to blend in with your surroundings. Okay. So if, if you're walking talking, around really, I'm talking about woodland or I was or this kind of I was cueing you to take a shot at wearing the wrong camera. Uh, yeah. I mean, you know, if you're in a city, you're wearing the wrong camouflage. Now, I mean if you're up in New England, that's not gonna blend in at all in a city. Come on, let's get on. You know, something just occurred to me. What is that, sir? You're wearing the wrong camouflage. It's all very well for the country, but I doubt very much if it's going to fool anyone in the town. You wander around down here in the southeast, and you're probably not going to blend in either. Now, if you're wearing if you were wearing mossy oak down here, you'd blend. Or real tree. <laughs> yeah, or real yeah. tree. Yeah, absolutely. You wear that in any southeastern city, and nobody's going to say a thing. Um, but when it comes to these sort of things, just basically neutral colors, like I've got on this pack, just a gray. It looks like a backpack, and it's not just it's not just the pack color that you're looking at. It's also it's also the construction of it. So if you start looking at if you start looking at does it have have Molly and Powell's webbing mm -hmm. all over it? Right, that's becoming a little more common, but it's going to if somebody is actually paying attention to what's going on, and you got Molly pouches all over the exterior of it, even though they're all you know wolf gray or whatever it's still going to stick out to somebody who actually knows what they're looking at. It is. It's going to look more tactical for sure. Right. Yep. Exactly. Or tactical in a lot of cases. <laughs> so, um, yeah, I, you know, having something that blends in and like, you know, like I've got here, I mean, I've got this, I've got this junker Patagonia pack, um, that no joke. I bought this, I bought this at a yard sale for, I, I want to say like $15. Something okay. like that. Somebody, somebody used this for their 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 is it kids. Nylon six hundred D nylon basic. Yeah, yeah. It's the uh, what is it? Refugio twenty eight liter. Okay. Yeah. I mean, it's a good pack. It does not stick out. It doesn't have a whole lot of things on it. Uh, you notice that I don't have uh, I, I don't have you know patches or or big time crazy stuff all over it. So I'm not, I'm not, yeah, that's I'm not really standing good out. Point. Really good point. I just want to talk to our viewers about this and have a little discussion about that. Um, when you label yourself with bumper stickers on your vehicle, with on your packs, um, you're, you make yourself a target. You guys agree? You have an oh, example? 100%. Yep. I, th I think I, we talk about that. it's worth a discussion. Yeah. Low visibility means low visibility. I don't care what you call it. I don't care if you call it, you know, the gray man concept or, or, or what. It's just a question of, of lowering your visibility is all. That's it. 
That's the only yeah, thing that you're trying to do. All my friends, I, think, I don't have Glock stickers and I don't have any stickers on my vehicle indicating uh, that, or I have no stickers on my vehicle whatsoever, actually, right now. Uh, actually, I think I've got American flag. Uh, but uh, same story goes for these bags. If you're walking around with a Magpul sticker or a Trijicon sticker or something, you're, you're giving your fact away that, hey, there might be some valuable gun stuff. In inside this bag, Jason, I cut you off. I, I know you. Oh, great time right now to remind our audience to like, comment, subscribe if you like these kind of conversations. I love it. I love it. Uh, actually, that is important, guys. You you will really help our algorithm. Hit the like button, um, share it, subscribe, and uh, watching on YouTube. Hit that notification bell so you know when we drop new videos. Drop new videos. All the time, we've got quite a good um, schedule going for that as well. Uh, Chris, ammo.com. You're sitting sure. there your head like you're agreeing with us. I'd really love for you to chime in a little bit on this. Uh, let me know what you think about this concept, this bailout bag. I've got my own ideas, which I'm going to throw at you guys as well. But, Chris, I want to give you some time also to give us your point of view as well. No, I think it's really important, especially – with how fast things can happen in today's society. You know, things can go from totally fine to totally SHCF in a matter of minutes uh, with the way things are going. And it doesn't necessarily have to be a full-blown grid down or a hurricane or something like that. We just had some tornadoes come through my area here in Indiana a couple months ago, and it just completely messed things up. Honestly, the first recording that Chris and I were going to do, we had to delay it because my internet got knocked out. Uh, because of the tornado. So it's like these things can happen so fast that you don't have time to like, okay, I need to go and I need to get this and I need to get this and I need to put that in the bag. You need to have all this stuff ready to go, uh, especially if you're out on the go. I really like what Mike and Jason are talking about having these bags that they carry with them all over the place. And it it doesn't look, you know, like, oh yeah, he's a prepper. Yeah, yeah I can tell. It, it's nondescript. And it's like, you could just be carrying your laptop in there. And I think it's so important to just be ready and be prepared uh, both mentally and physically for these types of things. Yeah. Chris, is it time to kind of talk about that whiteboard stuff we were talking about earlier and, and discuss the who, the what, the when, or do we, we want to jump into what should be in that bag first? Um, I think let's, let's let these guys cover what goes in the bag and then we'll kind of wrap up on that. What do we need in our bags? Uh, Mike, I'm going to throw it to you. What do we need in our bailout bag? What are the essential items for your bailout bag? Well, as usual, you you want to you want to levy that against your skills, for starters, because the more you know, the less you need. Good point. All right, uh, training trumps gear each and every day. Get some solid training. Training right? trumps. You don't, I like it. Yeah, yeah, because training is something that they can't take out of your head. If you lose this bag, if you get ripped off, what do you still have? Still got that training. Oh, good. Right. All right. So then, uh, so, uh, I wrote up this bare minimums list for a, for a, a bail bag that I guess you guys are going to wind up putting, uh, putting on a link oh, yeah. uh, on, on this. So, um, so I levy that against, I levy that against Canterbury C's, his 10 C's as well as against uh, Tyler White's from T-Jack Survival. If you guys aren't following him, you're a very bad person. Yeah, and I don't like you. He's part of the team. He's our guy. <laughs> That's right. 
Um, so uh, everything that I've, everything that I've ever picked up from him for, for your, your necessities of, of fire, water, shelter, and food. So uh, I'll just go down a list on some of these things. And, and you don't want to get, you don't want to get crazy on this because you, you want to keep it light because what are we talking about again? Exactly what Chris said before speed is life on this sort of thing. If you're just sitting still, you're a target. Now there's a time to sit still, but you need to be moving get out of that area, extract yourself as quickly as is possible. So uh, first first set, of course, is going to be fire. And honestly, the old Bic lighter, I'll tell you what, it's a great, it's a great thing. I keep a, uh, based on a trick that I got from Tyler, I don't know if you guys can see that, but uh, I keep a little bit of, uh, yep. I keep a little bit of inner tubing wrapped around the exterior of it. And that keeps, uh, that keeps me from being able to lose gas as well as it's nice little bits of tinder to be able to cut off of there. I can light that and then light a fire off of it. But guess what? Keeping warm is not a huge thing in this situation. So it's a low pr lower priority item. I keep it in the bag, but it's not going to take up a lot of space. Um, water, water is going to keep you moving. That is a big thing. You don't necessarily have a, have a lot of an opportunity to be able to stop for that. I'm a huge proponent of hydration bladders. Uh, I, my preferred brand is source brand. I used them in Iraq. Um, you can't kill them. I've tried uh, about the only thing that I've seen that'll kill a source bladder is a bullet or, you know, fragments from a, from an IED or something like that. Um, and I've got a, I've got a 70 ounce bladder inside this, inside this bag. 70, um, 70. Yeah, just a 70 ounce bladder. Um, and that normally keeps me keeps me going. If you want to go with a bigger bladder, go up to a full three liter bladder. Hey, good for you. Go for it. I don't always drink out of it. A lot of the time, uh, a lot of the time I'll also be carrying my own water bottle with me. But, you know, it just depends on on what it is that you want to do. Um, you need a method to be able to well, you got to have that primary water water carrier, and then you've got to then you got to have access to a secondary water carrier. Um, and why do you need the secondary water carrier? Well, you may need to you may need to be able to filter into, or you may need to be able to uh, uh, purify water. Right? Water in a city, fresh water in a city, is not necessarily the easiest thing to be able to get your hands on. Yeah, Mike. Okay? Let's remind everybody the rule of the rule of threes right now when it comes to water. And so on, and just remind remind folks of that. Yeah, um, the the big thing that I do, I don't carry a secondary water container most of the time in this bag because I can pop my head into any bodega there, or I can go dumpster diving behind any restaurant uh, in a town, and I can pull out a tin can, or I can buy one of these just little stupid single wall little ninety nine cent uh, bottles. Knock yourself out. OK, um, a water purification and water uh, uh, water filtration system. I carry my Sawyer kit anyway. I don't care. Even in this kit, I still care because water is life. I can live without food for a long time, but I want my water, period. Um, shelter. Shelter is predominantly what you're going to be wearing in this situation. But shelter is also your camouflage. Right. And of course, that's going to have to depend entirely on the environment that you are in, right? right? Okay. So, of course, I'm wearing, I'm wearing part of my shelter on my head. It's keeping my keeping the rain off me, keeping keeping the sun off me. 
but I also carry a spare hat because camouflage is not just about color, right? It's also about shape. Okay. Yep. So you can change shapes and now that is taking people's eyes off of you. They're not necessarily seeing you for the person that they may have been looking for. Yeah, you totally um, you, you totally changed your profile just by changing right. like 100%. I get that. Exactly. Um I always carry a reflective blanket in here. Um normally I usually stick with uh these these SOL uh mylar blankets with a poly backing on them. I love them. They're great. If you don't want to carry it, if it's too bright for you, that's fine. They make them green backed as well. Uh, if you don't feel like paying for one of those, you know, if you gotta, there's these, these army issue, um, rescue blankets, these things, they're big. I'm, I'm not a, I'm not a big fan of carrying one of these in a lightweight kit. Um, but at the bare minimum, carry some, something to keep yourself dry. I mean, even if it's one of these, even if it's one of these little junker, little poly, uh, ponchos i mean it's better than nothing or at the bare minimum you can pull it out of your bag when there's some kid who has no way to be able to keep keep dry pull it out and say here kid stay dry nice. because his parents didn't know what to do all right um personally i'm gonna just wear i'm just gonna wear a rain jacket i keep a nice dark rain jacket inside my kit most of the time it is a completely different color than a lot of the stuff that i'm wearing and like we talked about the other day, uh, we were talking about now I'm in a situation where, say, we've got a major civil unrest situation going on. We've got uh, we've got the, you know, a, a wonderful, mostly peaceful protest going on. Well, now I need to be able to blend in with the people that are around me. Right. So that I can extract myself from this situation. So I go from. Wearing what I was wearing, over to this, and I can throw a face mask on. Yep. I knew what you were going with that. And now I'm one of you. One of them. For, yeah. for 100 yards until I can get out of there and strip yeah. this stuff off. Very, very right. I keep a black. I keep a black frog tog jacket. Uh, in, in my kit, actually I have a couple, I've got, I've got one in my truck to keep one at the house as well, but no masks, but maybe I throw a mask in there as well, Mike. I'm as right. You are. Good right. Point. Good yeah. I, I, I like them. Uh, they, they come in, you know, these things come in really handy that, and especially if there's a bunch of tear gas flying around, you know, one of these is not going to help you, but I also keep little, uh, I also keep a little flat pack and 95 masks yep. in here. I can throw that onto my face and then pull this up over it, and yeah, it, it'll it'll definitely get you through the day. It's gonna reduce. So, Mike, are you saying that wearing my vintage American Values T-shirt would not be good in that situation? <laughs> Man, I, so so again, you know, you're you're out there, you're just looking for trouble, right? Yep. You know, I, I I wear these I wear these little Havana shirts all over the place. It's a great cover up for for over a CCW. But, you know, the T-shirts that I'm wearing, you know, especially if I'm in a tourist town doing tourist things, I'm going to kind of dress so that I look a little bit like a tourist yep. whenever I can. Because now I'm blending in with the tourists. Nice. A million. Yeah. 
So, but I can change, I can change out of that whenever necessary. Right. Uh, because again, camouflage. Yeah. What, what I think Mike's talking about here is really important is kind of thinking about where you're going to be and dressing appropriately for the situation. I mean, listen, I love wearing my, you know, my ammo.com shirt or my, you know, grunt style shirts out, but that obviously paints a picture for who you, who you are that you may not want to be labeled as in a disaster situation. Uh, and I think that that's really important. And I really like those N95s that you have in there. Think about if something happened like on, say, 9-11, there's a lot of dust in the air, things like that, even oh, yeah. not necessarily tear gas. Uh, that N95 could be really important. That's a really cool addition. I like that. Oh, yeah. If you've ever been in a if you've ever been in a city when when concrete is in the process of getting blasted all over the place, that silica concrete dust hangs in the air forever. Um, probably going to wind up with lung cancer or mesothelioma or something like that after after Sodder City. Six weeks of that city just you know being in the air most of the time suck. You're yeah. absolutely right. The lime will tear your lungs up. You know, right. It's a large component. Mike made a good example though. Last time we were discussing this, not just you know putting the the black garb on to blend in with those Antifa people and whatnot. But he even said, you know, if somebody was to confront him or whatever, he'd say, hey, that guy over there, you need him right now. And just literally pretend he's one of them. Yeah. Just get them to look away long enough to get out of Dodge. So, yeah. If you you act act like you belong there and you act like you know what you're doing, psychologically, the vast majority of people are going to assume that you are on the up and up. Yeah, and overlook you. And it's, it's really interesting because when I go into a restaurant or I have I'm going out in public in a in a public environment and I'm assessing my environment and looking around and I see a, a guy like Chris wearing a, a Yee Yee shirt or some guy like me wearing with an American flag or a guy like Jason with his vintage American. I'm like, that's that's my guy. Something goes down. That's my guy. That's my guy. That's my guy. And we so quickly identify people from our clothing and our logos and our stuff. And and I look for the fit guys. He's fit. He's fit. He's fit. And if they're fit and wearing these logos, that's my guy. That's my guy. That's my guy. And that's the way I think. Yeah. Man. Yeah. Yeah. Cool. So, um, so we have the, so, so please continue, Mike, because we're, we're talking about all these little things that should be in your bag. Just finished talking about appearance and clothing and uh, keeping yourself safe from the weather. We talked about hydration. What else? So, uh, of course, having, having spent a lot of time wandering through the rocks in Afghanistan, the best, the best piece of equipment that you can ever possibly have is a spare pair of socks <laughs> and, and wear good shoes. You know, even if you're, you know, even if you're out doing tourist things with your family, you know, don't, don't wear impractical shoes, wear shoes that you can, that you can get up and move in if you've got to, um, food, all the food that you're going to put into this thing needs to be fast, hard energy food. You know, I mean, I've got trail mix and I've got kind bars and, and clip bars, stuff like that. You know, I say, I say 2,400 kcal. If you can carry that, that's fine. Do it. But enough to get you over the hill is the big key to that sort of thing. Um, communications are going to be a huge thing. And how do you keep your communications running these days? Well, you know, first of all, I keep a little power pack on me all the time. Uh, I've got all the cables. I've got all the plugs. I can plug into AC, DC, and make sure. And, and you would be amazed at the amount of people that wind up going to foreign countries and think that they have one ten 
AC power. <laughs> right. And yeah. that the plugs are the same. Yeah. Understand yeah. that where you're going is going to have different plugs and probably different power levels. Make sure you're carrying the appropriate stuff for that. Especially if you're traveling abroad. I'll just say, Chris and I did a review on uh, some of those items in the past uh, for people who travel abroad and the different power packs and things. But at the very least, at the very least, carry an alternate source of power for your cell phone because your cell phone is your number one comms. I'm going to jump in here real quick and add to that, if I could. Uh, I actually have a, a friend of mine. Uh, if you don't know me, uh, my wife is from Ukraine. She's Ukrainian. We actually brought one of uh, our friends over from there out of the war. And one of the things that she said that was almost impossible to find was those power packs for your cell phone to have that available. So that's a really inexpensive thing that you can get right now uh, and have that ready to go in case something goes down. I've got one. Uh, actually, I'm using it as my main power source to charge my phone overnight, and it has an internal power battery, chargeable battery. And so I, fi I find myself for the past month or so uh, unplugging it when I leave in the morning, wrapping it my cord up, and, and it goes in my in my day bag with me everywhere I go. So that if I need, if I jump out of my vehicle or I have to go somewhere else, that's always with me in a little in a sling bag. And hey, Mike, can we fit all this stuff in a sling bag that we're talking about? Uh, probably. It's, I mean, yeah, again, this is a completely customizable kit. So you need to have what you need. Now, if, you're, if your skills are commensurate that you don't need all these things, then don't carry them. Gotcha. Jason. Yeah. Jason, remember that bag you and I were talking about? We, we videoed it sometime. Maybe we'll throw that up on the website, on the, on the YouTube channel. Yeah. No, tell me, tell me about that bag because it was small, and yeah, I haven't really defined what it was, what you called it. But it has. <laughs> what do you have in that bag? What is that bag? So basically, like I said, my wife and I both um, have this bag, and it's really streamlined. You know, it doesn't take up a lot of room. Pretty she small. has a toy. I've got a Jeep Rubicon. We just throw these and don't even think about them too much. Um, one thing that has happened to this bag, even. I did a breakdown of it that day. Um, Mike and I were talking about this earlier. My bags adapt so much just because all the time, because I see things that other people are doing. I'm like, man, that's such a great idea. Or I find a product that uh, will take it. It's better than the one I'm carrying and replace that product. Um, you know, they're always adapting just to make, you know, everything more convenient, um, easier to use, just like the lighter. Mike was talking about. There's several, and we discussed primitive fire starting here on this channel quite often. In this kind of situation, I'm going to cheat. I'm bringing a lighter. You know what I'm saying? I'm not messing around um, trying to do some kind of friction fire in a HTF moment. You know what I'm saying? I don't have time for that kind of mess. Right. Um, but anyhow, um, just to bounce off what Mike was saying, as far as water was going, water goes. Um, I always carry, I saw him drinking out of his. I always carry a metal container, uh, it's a 36-ounce, that I drink throughout the day, several, several, several bottles of it, okay? So I've always got this on me. Uh, it's not uncommon to see me drinking out of this thing. But also, I want to share something. I've got life straws, both of my um, my smaller bag that I carry with me every day go Chris but also something that's neat and convenient that uh Kaylin and I use a lot are these mainstay emergency water pouches okay um, <laughs> uh, 
like my a ton of these things. I mean, they're so, they break down like crazy in in both of our bags. You know what I'm saying? Um, so that's just another option as far as water goes. Um, I'll go through those first, and then if if get bad and I do have to start filtering water, last straw will come out. I can you know take my container, fill it up, and suck straight through the life straw. But uh, also. What Chris and Mike were talking about, about, and you guys were talking about, about the cell phone charger, keeping up with our comms. Um, I found this charger from Tough Tested. What I love about this is I can fast charge it, you know, if I've got power um, with the cord that comes with it. But it's also solar capable. So yeah. I don't, in a grid down situation or something like that, even though the cell phone would, would be, you know, useless in a grid down situation. If something happened and I needed this thing to power up a device i've got the capabilities of solar with this so i really enjoy this i think it was a great little addition to my to my daily gear cool one thing that you had in your bag at the time i don't know if it's still in there but it was a tool and yeah. it was a really neat tool tell me about that you, you still so, yeah so basically it's an ontario knife works it's called a spax okay which all that means is special purpose axe um drag it out here for you and it's not really so much of a chopper as it is a breaching tool. Now, I have used this thing. Just I don't like having stuff like you were talking about uh, knowledge and experience and training. I don't like having things in my bags that I haven't used before. Know they're, you know what they're capable of doing. This is more of a breaching tool. Um, a lot of hatchets and tomahawks you'll see have a beard that come down and are not rounded like this. Well, this is designed basically so I can go through, like if I'm caught in a metal building or something like that, or I'm having to cut into a metal building, that beard, if I'm having to go through that metal or concrete, it's not going to get caught up inside the wall. It can be easily retrieved and retracted out of that material, if that makes any sense. But another thing that this thing offers too, if you can see this hole, um, this is basically kind of like a teeth. The fire hydrants, gas hook up like that. If I have to cut them on, cut them off. Um, it's just kind of a neat little, you know, all in one little little tool that I love having. As far as the sustainability goes, um, like in my bag that Kaylin and I have, I have twenty four hundred calorie bars. I have the waters. Um, carry beef jerky a lot in my other bag that I carry daily in little bitty packets that are sealed. You can get them, you know all over the place, but they usually have an expiration date of about a year. So I could throw those things in my bag, in my little compartment, not even thinking about them, and they'll keep and stay good in there for, for a long time. So that's another option as far as sustainability. Another thing I want to add to that, eating beef jerky over a year old. <laughs> <laughs> hey, it's a best by date, not an expiration date. <laughs> I got you, brother. Another thing, too, that I wanted to add, batteries. Batteries, batteries, batteries. Um, I know a lot of us, we do run guns and we have guns in our vehicle. If you don't have the batteries to keep up with your optics and things like that, because guess what? Electronics go down often. Um, your flashlights, even if they're not rechargeable, have batteries on hand so you can take care, you know, replenish those things and, and get them back up and and in the game. Yeah, lights. That's another thing. And I think I probably cut Mike off before we even got to certain yeah. tools and other things. We need. Light, light sources. And you brought up weapons. Well, I want to talk about light sources and how important they are. What What do you have there, uh, Mike? 
Okay, so uh, as far as a light goes, I always keep a headlamp because I always, always want to keep my hands free. Um, and I have been using these Petzl Tikas for a long time. I absolutely love them. Here's the best part about them. So I can either run AAA batteries with them or I can pop it open and it has a rechargeable battery nice. inside. And all it takes is just a regular US uh, micro USB plugged yep. into it. This thing works great. It runs three different levels of uh, of normal white light. It also has a red light uh, red light in there for uh, trying to stay a little bit lower visibility. But then, of course, always you know keeping the uh, keeping the uh, the distraction device light in your pocket. That's that's a big thing. So I'm running two of those. Uh, but at the bare minimum, even if you even if all you have is a keychain light, it's better than nothing. Yeah. Lights are lights are a necessity. Lights are a necessity. I would venture to say that between the one, two, three, four, five, uh, six of us that we probably have, a, I got a crap load of little pin lights and EDC lights and carry lights. And I really, <laughs> how many? <laughs> not trying to Cindy how many lights or knives or guns. That he actually owns. No. Cindy, if you're watching, forget it well um, he's the sixth person you said out of the six of us oh okay five of us there's five one two three four five. Oh, okay i'm counting us and the screen <laughs> well you know i'm not a mathematician but yes lights absolutely and i recently did a little video on a little sun bless a light just a little cheap ass little uh headlamp and uh but it's so light and small and it works and it's only i don't know mike it was like 300 lumens on the high setting, but you know what? I went out and played with it and that, that was enough for what it was designed for. And that, that stays right. in my bag in, in one specific bag and goes with me everywhere. I get to my truck right now in my bag and so important. And I'll, I'll obviously I also carry a, uh, a pocket light EDC style light as well. I want to talk about weapons. I want to talk about weapons and, um, uh, in your bailout bag. Are they going to be in your bag? Are they on your person? I have my own personal opinions. I think, you know, I carry an EDC on my person um, pretty much at all times. What should, should we have weapons in our bag? Chime in, guys. Well, actually, I want to pick up from a previous video that Mike and I did. Okay. And we were discussing EDCs and stuff like that. And I don't know how, but for some reason, somebody in the comment section said, I know these guys don't want you to have a truck gun, but they're wrong. And at no point in time have we ever said that somebody shouldn't have a truck gun. As a matter of fact, I certainly never said that. <laughs> we are we are super strong proponents of having truck guns. But if you leave them unattended, then you know they should be secured. But we could not be more in favor of truck guns. So I just want to make that perfectly clear. Yeah, I'm not sure no, where that came from. That's uh, okay it, now. Yeah, it was a, it was a bullshit assertion is what it was <laughs> on somebody's part. You know, gotcha. there's always that guy out there who's got to take that shot to make himself okay. look good. That's all I can think of. We've done but, we've done content and and we, maybe just because of this we'll do some more content on truck guns. Yeah. Well and that's why we <laughs> ask people to like, comment, subscribe and share our stuff because we're not afraid to put gun content on the channel and we get suppressed by youtube yeah. as a result of that you so. know that that's a whole other discussion um weapons are a huge part of the survival discussion and if we left weapons out of our ongoing survival discussion we're doing a disservice to our to our viewers so thank you absolutely yep anyway take it away on the edc stuff guys so in my opinion uh yeah i'm a truck gun proponent uh for a long gun in the truck um obviously 
you're not going to be able to keep them well. I've seen foldable ARs that can go in little bitty pouches. So yeah, you could you could carry one in the bag, but I I'd I'd prefer to keep my EDC or my firearm on me as a person because that bag can get snatched, that bag can get dropped in a SHTF you know moment, and I don't want to lose my number one thing that that I'm protecting myself and my family with. So I'd rather keep it on my person. Yeah, likewise, uh-huh. I carry uh, I carry an EDC. Uh, on my person at all times. It doesn't necessarily mean that's the only weapon I have access to. And speaking right. of foldable ARs, check this out. There it is. There it yep. is. Yep. That's like the double folding AR. Yep. I don't know if these are available to the public yet or not. I know. Well, I remember the first joke out death, but it, it ran like a champ. Yeah, it runs good. We we yep. put it through this. It's an interesting gun. Yeah, I'm with I'm with Jason and uh, on this one. You know, having your your firearm on your person uh, is going to be the the safer option. Uh, like you're talking about, your bag can get stolen, and now you don't have a bag and you don't have a gun. Uh, so you're yeah. completely, you know, it's hand to hand combat at that point. At which point, it puts you at severe disadvantage. Uh, so at least having your EDC pistol with you uh, at a minimum uh, is the way to go. And if you want to have a rifle in in the truck, I mean, the old saying is you use your handgun to fight to your rifle. Yes, exactly. And like what Mike said earlier, too, as far as, you know, they can take away my stuff. They can't take away my knowledge. My training, as far as EDC, uh, is mostly concealed carry training. And that's where I am fast from. That's where I pull from all the time. I don't pull from my bag. So I train pulling it from my my person. I want to keep it where I normally train from, you know. The yeah. best gun in a fight is the gun that you actually have with you. Yes. Yes. Yeah. yeah. And Mike, be, coming from your background, someone who's uh, who was paid to carry and fight with guns and things, I you know, I really wanted to to you to share your opinion on this as well. And uh, I know you've got some strong feelings on this as well, and and infinite knowledge to impart upon us. <clears throat> Well, you know, I was never a trigger puller. Let's let's always make sure that that's, you know, that 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 was never my role. However, I did have to roll with the trigger pullers. So, you know, I had to be able to keep up. But um yeah, I'm I'm a huge proponent of making sure that you've got your EDC pistol on you. Uh I mean, if you don't have your your concealed carry with you, then then you've got a problem. However, um, I do, I do look at when we're working in an urban environment, your engagement ranges are going to be short. Um, the pistol is going to rule in this kind of a situation. Um, and your biggest, your biggest role is to extract yourself from whatever situation you're in hanging around for a, for a firefight is foolish. I don't think you should do that at all. Um, there's, you've got no reason to do that, especially if you don't have like, you know, like Chris and I talked about before an infantry platoon and, and dust off and, and, you know, indirect fires on call. I haven't got that. I'm, I'm bailing out of this fight as quick as I can. You know, ninja smoke bomb. I'm gone. Um, <laughs> I have one of those in the bag. <laughs> yeah. You don't carry those. Uh, oh, okay. So we're going uh, yeah, to need to see a full demonstration. Yeah. Right. Yeah. That, that, that's yeah. Keep those on the back belt. <laughs> um, and, and, you know, depending, I, I, I think the loadout that you roll with for security wise, 
I think depends entirely on the scenario or on, on the situation that you're that you're moving into. Um, if you're say if I'm going to be going to Atlanta and things are things are going bad, especially Atlanta PD has phoned it in again, like they did back in 2020. Oh yeah, when I went there, yeah, I'm taking a full size AR with me, no problems. It's staying in the truck, but I'm usually not getting very far away from the truck. And of course, the the pistol is to get me to the to the rifle. Most situations, um, the reality of the world that we're living in these days is a litigious society. So every bullet that comes out of your gun has a potential lawsuit tied to it. So if you are going to squeeze that trigger, you better know exactly what you're squeezing your trigger on. Um, and that's why, you know, I, I, I try to just stick to the pistol having, having a bag gun or having a truck gun. Yeah, that, I mean, that's a great backup. It's a wonderful thing if you wind up needing it. But I'm going to avoid using it like it's the plague. Yeah, for sure. We're not we're not looking for a fight. We're looking to survive. 100%. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Um, of course, yeah. And I'll also, I'll also carry a couple of reloads, 21-round uh, happy sticks inside, uh, inside the bag as well because – you know, if uh, if I am going to get into into a firefight, um, yeah, I'm going to have to be the one with fire superiority. Yeah, I cannot do friends. Now we're talking. Now we're talking. Yeah. So I carry a. We're, we're talking about. You know, this discussion has led to guns. We're going to talk about guns. Here we go. I carry uh, one of my EDCs. One of my favorite EDCs is Glock 18. I have a lot of different firearms that work off the Glock magazine platform, including PCCs, pistol caliber carbines, which means that I can take one of those 33 rounders or, or even one of my competition mags, that's a 43 rounder, whatever, throw in the bag. And I got a lot of extra ammo if I need it. It works on a, a large majority of the firearms that I own. And uh, it's uh, co- it's the, the compatibility issue is important to me. So I'm a I'm a nine mil and a five five six guy. That's pretty much what you're going to see me um, training with, playing with, shooting with, competing. Those are those are my calibers. Nine millimeter, the most prolific available caliber in the world. Back me up, ammo.com. Oh, absolutely. Uh, you're a hundred percent right on that. And I know, I know Chris, our, our host here is not a huge fan of the nine millimeter, but uh, like you said, it he's is, mil- it he's is. a 10 mil guy, but I do know he does have some nine millimeter weapons. I, I never said he didn't have one. It's like Quigley. It's, it, you know, he said it, you know, I didn't have much use for it. Doesn't mean I didn't know how to use it. Oh No, what I said was nine millimeter for the hoods and 10 millimeters for the woods. All right. Well, there we go. That That's the quote of the day right there. Right. It depends on the target. Here's Chris with a with a uh, uh, Glock stick here, big stick. And what you got there? Well, I do have a bunch of guns that shoot nine mil, but this is the only ammo that I shoot out of it, which is a fifty grain, little over two thousand feet per second. Denny and Jason have plenty of experience with this. That's that's yep. liberty, that, not, no, that's Pilgrim Torch, and it's four hundred fifty foot pounds of kinetic energy kinetic yeah. energy it, and it's it's a, this 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 ammo right here has defeated every single 3a panel that we've hit with it and we've hit 3a panels with underwood ammo 10 millimeter 1600 feet per second 90 grains and the 
the body armor stood up to it. And as soon as we hit it with this, it shredded it. Yeah, it actually defeated 3A body armor. And the thing about the uh, the Pilgrim ammo is that particular round, it's only a 50 grain round. It was traveling 2,000 feet per second. So that kinetic energy is huge. And uh, I've actually got a block of gel uh, Jason and I tested. And you, you can actually see the results. Maybe, Jason, we have to relive that moment and yeah. talk about ammo. One thing that ammo it goes back to what Mike was saying earlier. Um, as far as every, you know, it's one of our old basic gun rules. Know your target, what's behind it, what's in front of it, what's beside it. Every round that leaves our chamber is a liability. Um, what turned me on to that round the most was this claim to fame about the no overpenetration. Okay. Um, Denny and I, we saw this firsthand in the test. We, and that's another thing. I don't promote a product without seeing it do what it's claimed to fame is first. You know what I'm saying? If I'm going to put my name behind it, I know Denny feels the same way. I want to see it work. Um, yeah, that's one That's but, one very good example of a round that um, that does just that. It's got great terminal ballistics. It doesn't overpenetrate. Uh, Chris can probably chime in on this. There are a lot of choices out there, but do your research. Watch your videos. Look at your ballistic gel when you're choosing your ammo and so on. We're getting off on a little bit of a tangent here. But, uh, yeah, that's a great discussion to be had. Well, before, before we wrap up on that topic, you know, and we had this discussion with the guys from Excalibur not too long ago. Yeah. Is that people try to, you know, save money and, you know, they go to the range, they shoot their full metal jacket, uh, and then they dump the mags and they put their EDC ammo back in and they never shoot their EDC ammo. You got to practice the way that you play. The, the mechanics of your gun are completely different. Uh, I shoot nothing but Pilgrim ammo, regardless of the cost, because it's it's the same ammo that's in my EDC when I'm carrying nine. And so the characteristics of the gun are always the same because of that. Whereas, yeah, I mean, I don't have to tell you, I mean, when you sight a gun in for a certain, you know, bullet and then you switch bullets, it doesn't work the same. Yeah, I might get a basic zero on uh, some FMJ ammo, and then I'll shoot carry ammo and make sure and fine tune it. But it just goes when you, I see a lot of, you know, I'm a certified firearms instructor and, and a former police officer and had a lot, a lot of experience with firearms uh, training competition for civilians and law enforcement. And nine times out of 10, when folks go buy an EDC, they're like, ah, give me a 20 round box of self-defense ammo, but I'll take, give me, give me a couple hundred rounds of that full metal jacket. And that's all they shoot is that FMJ mm -hmm. stuff. So very good point. Train with what you're going to carry so that you know exactly what it's going to feel like, exactly what your ballistics are going to be, your trajectory, where you're going to hit. And it's, it's extremely important. Faux show. All right, moving on. Moving on. All right. So what did we leave out, guys? We covered a lot of different things in your bag. Mike, what did we leave out? Anything? Medical. Okay. Medical's awesome. next. Yep. So, hey. of course, every kit. I have, I, have, kit. I have a bridge picture here from your comment on socks to medical. Socks. Okay. Socks. So a good friend of the channel here, Lane Kelly, owns Roundtable Munitions. Uh, he was a paramedic many years ago. Gets up at four o'clock in the morning, tumbles head over heels down the stairs, breaks his big toe, laid up for 10 weeks. If, if you, you know, you damage your foot, it can be a serious game changer. Three months ago, ends up with an injury on the side of his foot and was just given clearance to go back to work uh, because it, it got infected and it got worse and worse and worse. So if your feet get knocked out from under you, you're done. 
And here's an example. You know, Mike's been in a theater war, so he knows that if if uh, you send anything to family members overseas, <laughs> they typically will request socks because wow, what happens when you're in the wrong environment? Oh, that's nasty. And, and you don't have socks and dry boots and stuff to wear. So I just wanted to come back to that because it doesn't matter what physical condition you're in. Yeah. Doesn't matter what medical kits you have with you, you lose your feet, it's game over. Yeah. You're done. And I, Mike had you when you carry put, held those socks up, I couldn't tell what what kind they were, but I, I wear Smart a lot smart wool. Yes, I wear a lot of wool socks. Uh it, it's hot down here in Florida, it's sweaty, but I have I have happy feet for that reason. And I carry extra socks in my truck. So medical. Let's talk about yeah. medical. Sorry to interrupt, Mike. I just wanted to bridge. No, no problem. No problem. Okay, so, of course. Yeah. So medical. Um, at the bare minimum, have a boo-boo kit. Right? Bare minimum. Put some, you know, put put foot care stuff in there. Um, you know, just this this little off-the-shelf garbage little little kit with band-aids and it's got some moleskin and and things like that that's that's about all you really need okay and of course you're going to wind up you know putting whatever you want into there as you go um as a you know as a as a trauma provider though i'm also going to carry i'm also going to carry a full blowout kit inside here not to mention i've usually also got a i've also got a cat tourniquet sitting in, in my back pocket most of the time anyway um but yeah a full a full blowout kit I can handle virtually any trauma with one of these as it go. I don't get it from a reputable source though. You know, go, go to, you know, go, go to, um, uh, go to bears guys over there. What's, what's their, uh, what's their source refuge. For, for medical? Yeah. Refuge, refuge medical. medical. They've got, yep. they've got great gear over there. Um, we get our stuff directly from uh, North American rescue. Uh, we've got our own, our, our own little kits. Um, but I'll tell you what, yeah, have medical material, commensurate with what your skills are and if you're going to carry a gun you need to have the skills to patch the holes yeah. and please Period. get training and learn how to use that tourniquet the chest seal all the goodies are going to be in that that bag right absolutely Ab absolutely a couple months what ago uh, jason Collier and some of his friends who formed the u.s men's academy which is to you know, come up with a solution to the decline of Boy Scouts, okay? Right. But it involves the father and the son, you know, not just the kids. And they did a simulation where they had to get home from 14 miles away on foot. And while they were walking home, it took them about 14 hours, I think. Maybe, sorry, seven hours to go 14 miles. Um, they had surprise events happen along the way where they said, okay, you, you, and you have all suffered, you know, gunshot wounds and you're fixing to bleed to death. Yeah. And then they would say, you're assigned to this person, so on and so forth. Stopwatch goes on. You got 60 seconds to apply the tourniquet. So they had several different types of tourniquets. And some of the guys who were very skilled didn't get it done inside the 60 seconds. And it was just to drive the, you know, Mike's point home that uh, you got to have the training to use the toolkit that you have and to do it effectively. Well, and it's a perishable skill. Not, yeah. not only do you have to have the training, you have to, you have to practice with it. Yeah. I mean, yeah. I'll, I'll walk into my son's, I'll walk into my son's room when I know he's just barely rolling out of bed, bleary eyed and stupid. And I'll throw a cat tourniquet at him and say, and say, you know, left upper arm, gunshot wound, go. 
Good for you. And he hates me for Good it. He hates me for All it. All right. <laughs> <laughs> I love so, that. Is that like a, at 6 a.m. on Saturday morning? <laughs> up at 6 a.m. on a Saturday. <laughs> um, but I'll also throw some meds into there. If you have meds that you that you uh, take on a regular basis, at least – I know on the list here I've got four days' worth of meds, and that's that's out of a, out of a basic bug-out bag level. But at least on a, on on one of these one of these bailout bags, at least have twenty four hours worth of meds that you're going to wind up needing. Um, me, I carry Tylenol and a leave because we're old and my everything hurts all the time. So, yeah. Um, let's see here. Probably the biggest thing, the biggest thing, navigation. All right, your cell phone's not going to do it for you every time. I know this is going to look really strange to some people, but there's oh, this is thing that, is that a map there's that this thing that we used to have maps right <laughs> so if i'm going to go to a city i will always have a hard copy map of that city in my bag yeah there it just is. makes sense it just yeah. makes yeah. sense well, we'll have it, yeah. you know, it unfortunately now there's, there's a right. lot of studies lately that say and i don't remember the age but something like mid-30s and down the vast majority of people can't read a map because they were never taught these skills. You know, I'm they, not surprised. They, they were brought I, up with phones and stuff. They, really? they weren't taught the skills. Yeah. Go ahead, Chris. No, I, I remember when I was a kid, I was in a, uh, it was a club in school and we went to these competitions where they would have us use a map and, you know, use a, a lens at a compass and stuff like that and be like, okay, you need to go, uh, you know, 300 yards to the Northeast and then collect this specimen for, yeah, it was a science thing. And then, you know, you had to have your map to figure out where you were going. And yeah, it really is a perishable skill. Everybody is so dependent on these anymore uh, to figure out where they're going. Uh, it really is. It's something that I think has been lost. So, yeah, if you don't have a map of at least your local area, uh, you're doing yourself a disservice. Wow. Yeah, yeah. absolutely. It, I would say one thing. Um, when Jason mentioned his solar powered uh, battery charger, we, we've got one sitting right here as well. Uh, the cell network may be down, but if your phone's still operational, like it hasn't been nuked by an EMP or something like that, you still have access to files that are stored on that device. So, you know, I've got all kinds of PDFs on my phone uh, that have information that I haven't been able to commit to memory, for example. Um, I also have a, a Garmin InReach Mini. It's a little satellite device. If that's still working, I can communicate through my phone with that, which doesn't rely on the cell network, but I can also pull down GPS maps uh, from Garmin from the satellite as well. And then they're highly detailed topographical maps with roads and everything else on them. So yeah, the, the cell network may be down, less likely that the satellite network would be down and still have access to hard files that are on your phone. So that's a good, just, that's just a good point as well. Way. Yeah, if you want to get, want to get a little more techie, uh, with devices like that, or Mike and the guys, or download a map of the location you're going to be visiting and take some screenshots as well, maybe. Well, you can have the Garmin InReach Mini. Mm -hmm. You can pick a location and download all the maps in that area before you go there, and they're available for offline use. Cool. Yeah. Cool. Maps. Yep. Yes. Yeah, maps. It's a thing. And if you're, you know, if, if you wear glasses in order to read, that map, you better have a spare pair of glasses inside your kit too, because yeah, yeah glasses get lost or broken and jinkies. Broken. I can't find my glasses. Yep. And like you, we're old. 
<laughs> Chris goes <laughs> <with you. laughs> Chris no, I'm, I'm I'm getting up there, uh, Chris. So I, I understand. I you see, just wait, you young whippersnapper. Yeah, I, see, I know. I, I can see, see it on the horizon. <laughs> I can see zero gray hairs, zero hair loss. <laughs> Chris, we love you, but you're not in the club yet. I would say I could see it. I didn't say I was in it. <laughs> cool, cool. Yeah. Navigate. So if, you, if you're gonna be if you're gonna be running that map, carry a notebook. Ah. All right. Take notes. Take notes. Be aware to take notes. And how do you take notes? Well, let's see. You can you can worry about you know your pen working or not working, or you can just go analog. Pencil. Use a pencil. Yep. I yeah. carry, I carry number two in my backpack. All I got to do is and my pocket knife and whittle it down. Exactly. So yeah, I can I can whittle it down. And then there's also another great thing with this. If I actually do get to the point where I'm going to start a fire or need to start a fire, I now have kindling as well or tinder. Good point. Good point. Yeah. Hey, is it, is it true that during the space race that the United States spent millions of dollars trying to figure out how to make a pen that writes upside down? The Russians just issued uh, pencils. I read that somewhere. I don't know. Because they, pencils, you know, write upside down. Let us know just, in the comment section below. Just saying. I don't know. I've been, oh, like, comment, subscribe. I've never gotten anybody from NASA to uh, confirm or deny that. Okay. <laughs> Another discussion. All right. Is that um, it? What else? Got a couple a couple more. All right. Sharpie pen. Yeah. This is a great thing. So um, one thing that you can do is you can establish rally points. So you're like, okay, we got to get back. And here's going to be a rally point. Here's going to be a rally point. Here's going to be a rally point, right? And if you're going to actually – and you set up an SOP, this is one of the things that we would, uh, that we would do. If I'm going to enter this rally point in an urban environment, I'm only going to enter it from the north or from the south, whatever you happen to say. And if you get split up, you're only going to enter it from there. Now, if you get to that rally point and that rally point is, say, a park, and that park is occupied by you know bad people that are not going to let you in there, you break out that Sharpie pen. You're on your, you're at your entry point. You mark on a transformer or a, a bus stop or a wall or anything like that with your Sharpie pen. Hey, I'm moving on to the next one, or I will meet you two blocks to the west, something like that. Okay. If you're split up. So it's a great thing. It's an option that, and if you happen to be in a building filled with, uh, filled with terrorists, on New Year's Eve, or sorry, uh, Christmas Eve at a big party, and you hear them talking, then you can, you know, put their names like Hans and Franz and stuff like that on your on your forearm. You know. Now I have a machine gun. Ho ho right. Ho ho ho. <laughs> yeah. Also, with the with the sharpie, it's important with your cat tourniquet uh, to put Actually, the time of application. Yeah. Uh, if there is medical services later, that'll be an important data point that they need to know. Very good point. All medical kits. Yep. You carry tourniquet. You should have a sharpie. Yep. Absolutely. Um, if you've ever been in a broken city, a busted up broken city, everything is trying to cut or, or, or tear you up. Everything. I always carry a pair of leather gloves. Every, I always hear people saying, oh, just put a pair of mechanics gloves and stuff like that in there. Man, everything's on fire half the time. Okay. Mm -hmm. And mechanics gloves are just going to melt to the back of your hand. They're nylon. All right. Yeah. And I know a bunch of you people don't have the money for, you know, flame retardant gloves so yeah most of us don't carry nomex around um sometimes i will carry a knife 
Sometimes I won't. It just depends. But I will always I will always carry multi tool. Yep. All the time. And even if it's just a junker little Gerber here, I can do a lot of things. Yep, there you go. A tool is a tool, man. We are tool using animals. Provide yourself with some tools. Take this thing out, put it on my belt right away. Knives at all. Yeah. Yeah. Um, (laughs) As always, you know, the the last year tools, cordage. Cordage is an absolute necessity. I I always carry 50, you know, 75 feet of paracord in my stuff. Um, I always carry a little bit of duct tape. You know, duct tape is a beautiful thing. You can use it for a million things. Even if it goes over to medical, you can use it. And probably one of the last big things that I carry, especially in an urban environment, is great big zip ties. Yep, big zippers. Yep. Yeah, because if I've got a, if I've got to, uh, you know, maybe hold two things together, I can do that. Uh, if I've got to restrain somebody, I can use zip ties for it. Uh, another thing um, that uh, that I was taught is if if you need to basically be able to lock a door when there's no locks or anything like that. Great big zip tie might give you a couple of extra seconds, especially if you're trying to, uh, especially if you're trying to trying to sleep or anything like that inside of a room. Okay, Mike, if you put all that into one bag, how big is that bag? Uh, with the water and everything like that, it is 19 pounds. Okay, all right, Pretty sounds impressive. sounds reasonable, right? Yeah, yeah. I mean, and, and this is this is more than some people are going to carry. Yeah, I would agree. Yeah. That's that's pretty comprehensive, pretty comprehensive. Yeah, so. and you know, for the average size man, maybe ten percent of their body weight. Yeah, Jason, how much that bag weigh that you that you've got there, Jason McCoy? I've never uh, weighted. If I had to guess, the one that we in our truck probably weighs about thirty pounds. Um, the one I carry daily is going to be about in between fifteen and twenty. Yeah, you've got, you've got some special. Yeah. Yeah, I got gotcha. you. How much? How much extra ammo is in your bag, Mike? Uh, Chris? Well, I mean, you know, when I run out of ammo for my ammo can, you know, then we'll be, uh, you know, we'll have to worry about that. But uh, no, I, I usually always try and carry about at least two extra magazines uh, for my EDC in my bag at all times, just to make sure that I'm ready to go. And I know that there are probably going to be a lot of people jumping in the comments talking about nine millimeter versus whatever versus whatever. Uh, you know, just to just to touch on that. Um, Shoot what you can shoot best is what I'm going to tell you. Uh, what Jason was talking about earlier with training, knowing what you what's behind your target uh, and things like that, so important. But being able to hit your target is just as important. So if yep. you can, if you're most proficient with a nine millimeter, go for it. If you like a 380 ACP, consider a nine millimeter, but still go for it. Uh, you know, or if you like 40 or 45, hey, the sky's the limit. We've got them all at ammo.com, and we've got plenty of stuff for bulk packaging that can get you a lot better deals and buying it 20 rounds at a time. So if you need that, check us out. We'd really appreciate it. Yeah. Not, not to be a commercial, but I'll be a commercial because uh, uh, Chris has some great prices there. Check out ammo.com. You don't like what you see. Uh, and a lot of variety there as well. And, yeah. good, and good service. And good service. At the end of the day. What do you got there, Chris? Uh, well, I mean, the whole concept today is, is bailing out of a situation, right? Yep. So uh, we put together this this simple process here of, you know, is your vehicle running? If the answer is yes, uh, 
can you navigate the roads? If the answer is yes, do you have enough gas to get to your destination? If it's yes, well, then get in your vehicle and drop the hammer. And if you find partway to, you know, you're trying to get home, whatever the rendezvous point is, the, the green space, uh, that you can't make it all the way, at least you made it part of the way uh, in your vehicle before you had to bail out of your vehicle. So really, you know, the decision is, is if it's no, I got to get out of the vehicle. Well, then you have to make the biggest decision of them all. Do you stay with the vehicle and hope that things are going to get better? Or do you abandon the vehicle and start hoofing it on the ankle express, you know, to get back to wherever you need to be? And in that case, you know, how long is it going to take you to walk that far? Do you have an idea in your head? Uh, do you have enough stuff in your bag or do you have too much stuff in your bag? You know, if you can shed some stuff out of your bag, because, you know, like Jason Sawyer's example, they covered 14 miles in seven hours with half a dozen adults and half a dozen youngins that were all around 10 years old. With breakouts. Yeah, with breakout. They they made fantastic time. So if you're seven miles from your destinations and your bailout bag has a whole bunch of extra stuff that you don't need, you should probably leave it behind. Uh, you know, a gallon of water weighs eight pounds itself. So if you don't need a full gallon of water over seven hours, which most people don't drink a gallon of water in eight hours, you may be able to shed a little bit of weight in, in that regard. You should. But. Yeah. So basically that, that the concept behind the bailout bag is, okay, we've decided to bail out of the vehicle. We're trying to get, you know, to the rendezvous point. We're trying to get home. Uh, realistically decide what we can shed from the bag or is there something in our truck that we need to add to our bag for whatever reason and that's kind of the decision process basically mike do you want to chime in on this because we we discussed this previously right uh i absolutely concur and you know the the big thing that you need to discuss is is of course how how bad is the environment that you're in and you know say you've got say you've got four flat tires and your car is full of holes and they're still shooting at you watch how much further i'm going to drive on just the rims <laughs> right yeah if 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 i can extract myself out of there with a, in you know driving away in a shower of sparks behind me i don't care if i can get an extra 500 yards down the road that's 500 extra yards further away from the threat that I am. And that's 500 yards less than I'm going to have to walk. Yeah. yeah. Good point. Yeah, for sure. For sure. And that's a pretty extreme scenario, but who knows? Right. You know, we don't I won't be kidding somebody. Shoot I ain't going to lie. <laughs> what? I said, I'm going to be pissed if somebody shoots my Jeep. I ain't going to lie. <laughs> Agreed. Fair. Fair. <laughs> just follow Rubicon. Right. Yeah. <laughs> we saw it. <laughs> Would you? You know, to touch on what Chris was saying, you know, the old adage in the backpacking community is ounces equal pounds. Uh, so any excess gear that you don't necessarily need from your bailout bag is really going to be a good investment to just take it out and put it in your bug out bag or your get home bag or something else. Because your, your bailout bag, you want to be able to move. Uh, you want to get home as fast as possible mm -hmm. because these first couple hours in a disaster situation are the most tenuous. Uh, and the sooner you can get back to that, that green zone, like we like to say, or that safe space or rally point, wherever it is, the sooner you're going to be able to be in a much better position, more defensible, more, you know, well supplied and speed is of the essence. Well, I speed think is life. I think situational awareness is, is the key thing here though. 
because there's going to be a lot of people in different levels of SHTF that will be like deer caught in headlights. And the the longer they take to realize what's going on or to get awareness of what's going on, their chances keep decreasing of the ability to get to their destination safely. You know, as time goes on, anarchy goes up. And so always being aware of what's going on. And just like Denny was saying, even walking into a restaurant, being aware of your surroundings. How many people do you see like this? All the time. I I notice it at gas stations more than anything else because, you know, we had we did a whole series on being gas station ready. If you're going to get accosted, that's the most likely place it's going to happen. And it's no wonder because people, they've got their wallets out. They got, you know, their credit cards, their cash. Face is buried in their phone. Next thing you know, they're getting held up. Yeah, situational awareness. So I've got one thing uh, that uh, is is another thing that I that I do when I'm when I'm wandering around a, a strange city, um, and that's that I carry a dummy wallet. Nice. <laughs> and I yeah I've I've got twenty bucks in this wallet, and I've got a whole bunch of like uh, store cards, and I think I've got like some old IDs that have been expired by like I don't know at least a decade stuff like that. Um, yeah, so I carry this spare wallet in my hand, all the stuff that I'm actually going to need for actual commerce, I carry in my pockets. Um, I don't actually carry a regular wallet. This is my throwdown wallet. So <laughs> if, it's, it. that is if it's, if it's a situation of give me your wallet. Okay, here, man, knock yourself out. Have a good time <laughs> with it. I've got debit cards in there that have been expired by five, 10 years, things like that. And if they wind awesome. up going through all, you know, if they wind up shaking me down and going through all my pockets and stuff like that, that's fine because they're still not going to take my little Carmex. <laughs> and my lip balm <laughs> lip balm in it it's pricey uh, that's some expensive lip balm right there or my or my cheap little knockoff swiss army knife that's not really swiss <laughs> right well you know i mean you know you, you you keep that that little thing it looks like it looks like you got a carmex pack in you know in, in your pocket they're not going to take that that is great I love that. They're I'm, also not going to know that there's a hundred bucks rolled up in it. You said go home and build a dummy wallet like tonight. Mike's a yeah. sneaky You're a sneaky bastard, Mike. I love it. That's <laughs> love awesome. It. Love Hang it. around in Africa for a while. You'll you pick up on those things. <laughs> Holy cow. You're gonna get your get your wallet lifted a couple of times in, in lousy little third world countries. Yeah, and you just stop carrying that sort of thing. Yeah, or you could just go to Chicago. <laughs> yeah, close enough. About the same. Yeah. Same thing, just different. So, right, right. Viewers, what's in your bailout bag? What have you got? What is it? Let us know in the comments. How much does it weigh? Do you train with it? Do you carry it around? Do you hike with it? Let us know in the comments what you think about bailout bags, what's in yours, and what you thought about this conversation, what we might have missed. We might have missed something. Uh, and uh, like, subscribe, comment, and what else, Jason sure. McCoy? Share. Yes, like, subscribe, comment, share, tell everybody about us. Yeah, and we, we really, it, it really is helpful to us. We appreciate everybody's already subscribing, but hit that like button. It really helps the algorithm. There are strange things that happen in the internet universe that just by doing that, it really helps us out. We really appreciate it. So ammo.com, check them out. Mike, thanks a bunch for your today. Contributed a, a, the majority of this information to us. Jason McCoy, my brother from another mother. I love you, brother. Thank you so much. Love you. Chris Evans, CEO of Survival Dispatch. Uh, any parting words, gentlemen? Thank you for your time, guys. Appreciate it. Yeah, thanks for watching. Thank you guys. We'll see you next time. Hit those buttons. Help us out.
Remember to wear the right camouflage. Yes, blend in. And dummy wallets. <laughs> hey guys, today's video is brought to you by Nutrient Survival. This is a really cool company. Uh, there's a ton of information on their website. They have a patented freeze drying process for all their stuff. They have very delicious menus. Uh, they have three to 90 day survival packs. Of course, you can buy individual packs. Here I have some awesome lasagna. We've tried it here at Survival Dispatch and we love it. It's nutrientsurvival.com. And as always, we'll have a link below so that you can check it out.